Would you turn please in the scriptures to Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter? Deuteronomy chapter 30. Thank you, Lord. Isn't it wonderful to be saved and to know him? Jesus said, this is life eternal, to know him and Jesus Christ whom he sent. And isn't it wonderful to know where you're going, the path that you're on, and not be afraid of dying? It's so liberating, so wonderful. We began some weeks ago on a, uh, a series that we're calling You Choose. And our text is right here in Deuteronomy 30 and verse 15. I'm reading from the, the Good News translation. You can read whatever you got there. In verse 15, he said, Today, God says, I'm giving you a choice. So whose choice is it? Your choice. God's choice? Did he say, today, I'm making a choice? (laughs) Now, what did he say? I'm giving you a choice between good and evil, between life and death. Keep reading. If, everybody say if. if. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God, which I give you today, if you love him, obey him, and keep all his laws, then you'll prosper. And become a nation of many people. And the Lord your God will bless you. In the land that you're about to occupy. Verse 17. But if you disobey. There's an if. And there's a but if. Why? Because you got a choice. But if you disobey. And refuse to listen. And are led away to worship other gods. You'll be destroyed. Is that the same thing as you prospering? That's a completely different thing. Right? I warn you here and now, you'll not live long in that land across the Jordan that you're about to occupy. He said, it'd go good with you. You'd be blessed. You'd be protected. Or in this case, you'll die young. It won't go good with you. Completely different life. Depending on what? On God's choice for you. No. (laughs) Depending on your choice. Right? He went on to say, I am now giving you the choice. He's repeating it. He's saying it again. I'm giving you the choice between life and death. Between God's blessing and God's curse. And I call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Why would he say that? I'm calling heaven and earth to record, to record, and to witness that it was you who chose it and the choice you made. Well, there's no wonder why he said this. Because so many people are saying it's not our choice. That it's all his choice. This is preached in churches all through the land. But what did he say? Choose life. He said, I'm giving you a choice. You choose this, this is going to happen. You choose that, something different is going to happen. I'm giving you a choice. The blessing or the curse, I'm giving you a choice. Then he didn't even tell you which one to choose. 
Choose life. Now let's let's just stop. Would anybody choose death instead of life? Would anybody choose the curse instead of a blessing? Prospering and living long and it going well with you? How many would choose dying young and it being hard and things going wrong instead of that? I said, well, nobody would choose that. Yeah, but you do when you choose not to obey him. And you choose not to believe in him. And you choose not to do his will and his plan. And you choose to ignore his word. That is choosing death. That is choosing the curse. Because when you choose one, you choose the other. Choose life. Everybody say, choose life. life. How many think that's some of the best advice you ever heard? Choose life. How can you do that? By choosing his way. Choosing his will. Choosing to obey. Choosing to submit to him. Follow him. Live with him and for him. Now, we've gone through this before, but let me review just a little bit for those of you that haven't been with us. We're answering some questions and dealing with some things that are some touchy issues with a lot of people. There are some things that are widely held and widely believed in churches all over the country and all over the world. And some of the phrases that are attached to these are things like this. God is sovereign. And people go, amen. And a lot of times don't even know what it means. And you're going to have a hard time finding that word in the Bible. But what does that mean? Well, people say another way. They say, God is in control. God is in control. Now, that's widely believed in Christian circles. He's in control of what? Everything. God is in control of everything. And that is expressed in other ways by saying, you know, even people that don't go to church, they'll look at you and get all spiritual and go, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. Really? And people say, well, and and even preachers, some kind of tragedy or some kind of bad thing happened, they say, well, you know, God has a purpose. He does. God has a purpose. In innocence being destroyed. God has a purpose. In earthquakes killing tens of thousands. God, that's God's plan. You say well. It's just the mysterious way. Oh really? Because God's in control. Of everything. Is that really what the Bible says? Or what tradition and religion has formulated? Even if it's been around for 500 years. If somebody was wrong when they came up with it 500 years ago, being around a long time doesn't make it right. (laughs) People say, well, people get upset about this. They go, God is in control. Let's just take you then. God's in control. Yeah, of everything. Yeah. Including you. Yeah. (laughs) So God is in complete control of you. Let's just take yesterday. And this past week. Let's take this past week. Everything 
you said, everything you did, God was in control. Everywhere you went, everything you watched, everything you listened to, God was in control. The fact that you ate raisin bran instead of cornflakes, God was in control. Really? It was God's choice. Everything that you said and did. Or is the scripture say you have a choice? And did a whole lot of stuff that happened happen because you chose it? Well, if it's your choice, how come you're going to blame God for your choice? And yet millions are doing this. They're saying everything that's happening down here is God's choice and God's will and God's plan. Is it? Is that what the scripture really says? If God's really in control of everything, there can be no if. But we see him saying, if you do this, this is going to happen. If you choose something else, something else is going to happen. If. (laughs) I heard one of those old holy cows groan. Did you hear? She went, ooh. Well, now I can't accept that. You know, I believe God is almighty. Amen. Me too. I believe God is all knowing and all wise and all powerful. You and me both. Amen. Amen. But what if in his being all powerful, in his being all wise, what if in his wisdom and power, He chose to put some things in our control and in our power and up to us. If he did, how can we leave up to him what he left up to us? When he says it's our choice, how can we say, no, it's your choice? And that's what millions are trying to do. Go to Psalms, please. The book of Psalms. Now, we've already covered a lot of ground. If this is your first time with us, uh, don't take my word for, for any of this. Get the materials. Go, da- go online. You can download it all for free. Go back in the back to the Word Supply. Get these previous messages. Go with us through the Bible. Look at every verse. If you say, well, I believe something else. Well, you're supposed to have Scripture for what you believe. In order for something to be scriptural, you need <laughs> Scriptures. And people get get adamant and they say, well, I've got a right to my beliefs. Uh, actually, you don't. If Jesus is your Lord, you're supposed to believe what he tells you to believe in this word and not just make up stuff as you go along. And we need to examine what we've heard. Even though it's common, even though a lot of people believe it, where is it in this book? And how many know all the scriptures have to agree? Examine what you believe. Find it in the book. In Psalm 115. Psalm 115 and 16. How many believe the Bible? So if the Bible disagrees with something you believe. It's time to change. Right? Don't try to make the Bible fit your experience or lack of experience 
Let God elevate your experience to match the Bible. Match his word. Don't try to explain things away. Be willing to change. This scripture is very enlightening. The Lord says, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth, the earth is in a different situation than that. Must be. But the earth has he given to the children of men. Is there a difference between God's control of heaven and God's control of the earth? Should be obvious to us. Should be. Everybody read it out loud. The heaven. Even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth has he given to the children of men. What's it like in heaven right now? How much crime do they have? Huh? None. How much plague and, and disease in heaven? How much? How many people are being mistreated? Murders and abuse and molesting and rape and every terrible thing. Robbing and how much? How much? How much in heaven? How much? How much? Depression, sorrow, crying, dying, none. You know why? Because God is in complete control there. (laughs) But down here, what about down here? There's terrible stuff happening all over the place. Awful things happening. Tragic Hurtful things all over the place. And if the earth has been given to men and men are in control of it, that explains a lot. Doesn't it? That just answers all kinds of questions. Doesn't it? What did Jesus say teaching us how to pray? He said pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What else did he say? Pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, if God's will is being done completely on the earth, why would he tell us to pray that it would be done? You wouldn't need to pray that it would be done if it's being done. No, it's real easy to see. God is not in everything that's happening on this planet. Jesus said the thief comes. Not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. He said, but I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So what's man and the devil and what's God in the earth? Oh, it's easy to see. If it's stealing and it's killing and it's destroying, it's men and the devil. But if God's really involved in it, it's good. Something good is happening. Somebody's being saved, delivered, healed, helped, provided, blessed, peace, joy, victory, needs met. Victory 
experienced when God's involved. Well, the truth is God is not in everything that happens. He's not in every part of everybody's life. How many remember Revelation that said, Jesus said, I stand at the door and what? Knock. If any man will open to me, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. Now, what if you don't open the door? What if you don't invite him in? Does that mean he's going to be in with you anyway? He's going to be involved in all your things anyway? It's not. The Bible talks about people who are without God in the world. The truth is the reason their life is so bleak and so dissatisfying and so depressing and so unhappy is not because God chose that for them. It's because they're in charge of it. And they're making the wrong choices. And they're allowing the enemy in. No, but if we'll open the door. And invite him in. How many want to open the door? And invite him in to every part of your life. How could you tell he was getting involved in your life? Good things are going to start happening. Good things are going to begin to manifest. Because that's all he does. The Bible said Jesus himself taught this. He said, you know a tree by its fruit. And an evil tree doesn't produce good fruit. And a good tree doesn't produce evil fruit and bad fruit. Evil comes out of evil. Wicked comes out of wicked. There is evil in this earth. There is wickedness in this earth. Did it come out of God? If it did, then there's evil in him. And I don't know about you, but I'm weary of people blaspheming my good father. And blaming that which is the result of men's wrong choices and the devil's activity on our good God. Oh, they try to look wise and say, well, God must have had some purpose. The truth is, God wasn't anywhere around it. And it's no reason why, even in the country and in a lot of people's lives, there have been more and more problems. Because how many places, even in our nation, has God been kicked out of? He's been told, you can't come in here. You can't have this in here. Well, friend, that is a recipe for disaster. Because now you're making your own decisions and you're doing your own thing and you're going to have problems and then people turn around and blame it on God. When he wasn't even invited to the party. (laughs) And when he's not there, come on, are you listening to me? When he's not there protecting, when he's not there providing, when he's not there keeping and helping, you're going to have trouble. And lots of it. And it's going to go from bad to worse. Go with me please to the book of Matthew. Matthew 16. Matthew 16 and 19. Jesus said this. I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Is this significant? As to how things operate. Is this major? It is. What what are the keys? How does this work? Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Let me read some of the translations. The, uh, the Good News translation. 
says it this way, and also the complete Jewish, today's English, half a dozen other ones say it like this. Verse 19, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. What you prohibit on earth will be prohibited in heaven. And what you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Is what's allowed on earth connected to what heaven allows? And when people are saying, why does God allow this? The real question is, why do people allow it? And more specifically, why do Christians? Why does the church, because this is written to believers, allow it? And friend, this is, uh, this is getting stronger in me as we go. Far too many believers allow too much. Put up with too much, allow too much, and you can begin to get insight into this. No wonder the enemy has tried so hard to convince us that God's doing all this bad stuff. Because if he can convince us of that, we won't resist it. We will allow it. We will let it continue and go on and on. Some of the most awful stuff happening in people's lives. They've been taught by their preachers, by their denominations to say, well, you know, just whatever the will of God is. I mean, you know, all this stealing and killing and destroying, but you know, he must have some purpose in it. So just say, you know, God's will be done. Well, if it's the devil and you're supposed to be resisting it and you're saying, well, just whatever it's supposed to be. Can you see the enemy's subtlety? Can you see why he and why anytime you see people get so up in arms and so upset about stuff, people get fighting mad. They get cussing mad, killing mad over some of these things. Well, I'll have you know God is in control. <laughs> why, why get so mad? What's going on? What's going on is the devil is struggling to keep people in the dark. Because if the blinders come off and folks see what the truth is, they're going to put a foot down. They're going to put a stop to his stuff in their life. But if you believe it's God, you're not going to resist it. You're not going to speak against it. Whatever you permit on earth is going to be permitted in heaven. Whatever you prohibit on earth is going to be prohibited in heaven. Is that true? These are the words of the master. Look at the example of Jesus. If everything that's happening on the earth is somehow connected to God doing it, then Jesus opposed his own father. When he rebuked sickness and disease, when he rebuked death, didn't he? Is God in every storm that rumbles across the land? If he was, then Jesus rebuked what his own father was doing out there on the sea because there was a storm. Didn't he? And he said, I only do those things that please the father. So obviously the father was not in the storm. How many remember Elijah, the man of God? 
when he came out, you know, to the place, the Lord, and the Bible said there was this, this great earthquake. You remember the rest of the verse? And the Lord was not in it. And there was a strong, mighty wind. What was the rest of it? The Lord wasn't in it. And then there was a still, small voice. And that was him. Are there some things happening on the earth and the Lord's not in it? He's not in it. People say, yeah, but it's, you know, God's in control of everything. No, God is not sending tornadoes to tear up church houses. And kill his Christians and infants and every other kind of thing. No, he's not. It's just not true. It is not true. Well, why is all this stuff being allowed? Is it connected to our choices? I, I, one thing that got me going on this line and pursuing it further is, oh, about a year or so ago, this had come up to me before and I had asked the Lord, but I asked him again and sought him again about it. I said, Lord, you hear people saying that uh, if God is a good God and if he is love, how can a good God who is love send people to a hell, a place of eternal torment? How can a good God who is love do that. I said, Lord, what, how, what do you say about that? And I'm checking my heart, and he spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me very distinctly. This just a simple phrase. He said, it's not my choice. Man, that went off in me. It's still going off in me. Is that true? Is it true? That it's not his choice. See, religion will say something else. Religion says it is. He says it's not. Well, God's all powerful. Okay, but what if in his wisdom and power, he left it up to us? Notice with me in Luke. 13th chapter, please. What will the truth do for you? It'll make you free. And your spirit knows when you're hearing the truth. Even if your head don't want to hear it. <laughs> even if your head's been indoctrinated with something else for 50 years. When your heart hears the truth, it knows it. It knows it. <laughs> Luke 13, Jesus gives us light. Into what we would call tragedies. Happening and destruction happening on the earth. Luke 13, 1. There were some present at that season that told Jesus of some Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Now you talk about violence and a terrible thing. These folks were in the temple offering up their sacrificial lambs and goats and bulls. Pilate sent guards or whoever armed soldiers in there and they butchered them with their sacrifices. Killed them. Keep reading. Verse 2. Jesus said, answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? Even today, a lot of preachers will say when something happens, they say, well, God's judgment fell on them because of they were sinful. And the implication is they're more sinful than other people, which is why that happened to them. Jesus answered. He said, do you think that's what happened? Verse 3, I tell you, no. 
That's not true. That this happened to them because they were worse people than everybody around them. He said, that is not so. But except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Keep reading. Or he said, those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell. Just like you watching the news today. And some building collapsed. Something happened and people got killed. Well, back then, same thing. This tower fell on some people, killed 18 of them. He said, do you think that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? Because that people say, man, that's, they call it freak accident. Folks say, oh, no, no. God was in it some way. Was he? God's in a tower. Falling on kids. Adults, children, killing them. God's in vehicles running each other, killing babies and everything. Really? See, religion has told us this, that some way or another, God's in it. He said, do you think they were sinners above all because that happened to them? Verse 5, I tell you, no. No, they were not worse people than anybody else around there. But except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Now, there needs to be a reversal of our reasoning in these things. People want to know why bad things have happened to somebody, including good people. But that is the wrong question. So what is the question? The truth is, unless God gets involved, the same thing can and will happen to everybody. The earth is a very dangerous place to be. Did you know it? Oh man. There's death all over the place. Crazy people. Demons. Accidents waiting to happen. I mean the earth is an extremely dangerous place to be. And bad things are happening to people all over the planet. And people are dying. At the rate of about two per second. On the planet somewhere. 155,000 people will die before the day's over today on the planet somewhere. And a lot of them will die young and die wrong. Accidents, problems, every other kind of thing. It's not why did it happen to them. Jesus said it can and will happen to everybody except something. What we want to be is the except. Except what? Except you repent. Oh, friend, repentance has gotten a bad reputation. But it's one of the most wonderful things you've ever heard about. Because it can give you opportunity. It can give God access into your life to do things for you that you don't deserve. Good things. And to spare you from bad things that you do deserve. And to do things for you that are not done for millions of other people in the planet. Somebody say repentance. Involved in this word repent is the idea of humbling yourself. And being willing to change. And being teachable. Look in James. James 4. Six. Says he gives more grace. Everybody say grace. 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 I didn't take time to read it. But we read it in previous times in that Luke 13. Immediately after he said that. You'll all perish unless you repent. 
He tells the story about the man that came to his orchard and he said that tree's not bearing any fruit cut it down and the man interceded and said Lord leave it alone for another year and I'll dig around it and I'll fertilize it give it some time so why would the tree have been spared is that all going together he's talking about people being spared from things like towers falling on them and and violence and murder and here a tree being spared from being judged and taken away Repentance and prayer can make the difference in your life. Right? Why do bad things happen? Oh, friend, the better question is, why are they not happening to a few? Bad things are going to happen all over the place. That is the norm without God. But we can through humbling ourselves and through praying and believing, we can get him involved so that we're an exception. We're protected when others are not. We're spared. Our needs are met. How many understand? If your needs are met when other people's are not, it is not time to brag. It's because of the grace of God. Isn't it? I mean, when you live through something that killed everybody else, it's not time to brag on you. It's, it's time to give praise to God. Amen. By the grace of God, right. you were spared, you were kept, you were protected. The grace that enables him to do things for you that he didn't do for everybody else. What's our part in this? Do our choices affect his access to us and his grace over us? It does. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Who gets the grace? Not the proud. The humble get the grace. Verse 7 says what? Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Hallelujah. I know uh, my father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin Sr., who's in heaven now, tells of an experience that he had with the Lord a number of years ago. Um, He was holding a meeting at a small church. This would have been many, many decades ago. And he was staying in the parsonage with the pastor and his family. And after the service, they went to the parsonage and his wife had prepared them a sandwich, a little snack, and they're eating it. And it was getting late. And he said, the the pastor's young daughter came and said, Daddy, would you pray with me before I go to bed? That was his custom, and and she was getting sleepy. And and he said, yeah, and let's just kneel down right here. He didn't want to stop fellowshipping with Brother Hagin. Let's just do it, and you can go off to bed. So they all knelt down off their chair. And Brother Hagin said he didn't expect it at all. But when he knelt down off the chair, he said he's like he knelt into a cloud. The glory of God. And he said the Lord appeared to him. He saw him and spoke to him for an hour and a half and showed him that they're in his books if you want to find out about it and read about it. But one particular thing I want to draw your attention to. And of course you don't accept anybody's experience unless it lines up with the word. It's all got to be in the word. So check every bit of this out. But he said the Lord was talking to him about dealing with the devil and, and evil spirits and And about how the enemy has been able to get a foothold in Christians' lives. And and why? What to do about it? Very 
enlightening important things. And he said while he was doing that, after some length of time, he said this creature came. He said all he knew is some kind of evil spirit. And said he jumped up and down in between him and the Lord. And yelled with a shrill voice. And put out some kind of, he said it was like an ink or smoke something. And he said it got so thick he couldn't see the Lord anymore. And he saw the Lord's mouth moving and he could hear some sound. He couldn't make out what he was saying. And he really got distressed because he thought, this is a once in a lifetime experience. I'm not hearing what he's saying to me. And doesn't he know I can't hear him? And he said, this creature's just jumping up down, shrill, yakking and putting out this scream. And said, just in desperation, he said, I command you to shut up in the name of Jesus. Shut up and get out of the way. He said, it just fell on the floor. He said, that, that, that smoke just went away. And he said, he's standing there. He said, the Lord just looking at him. Didn't, wasn't saying anything at this point. And he's thinking, why did the Lord let that happen? Why did the Lord let that thing come and do this? Why would he put up with that? And he said, the Lord looked at him and said, if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't have. He said, Lord, I know I didn't hear you right. It sounded like you said you couldn't have, and I know that's not right. Did you say you wouldn't have? He said, no, you heard me. I said, if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't have. He said, Lord, I know I'm not hearing you right. (laughs) That's contrary to everything I've ever heard or heard anybody preach or preach to myself. He said, "I, I know you said you wouldn't. He said, no, I said, if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't have. He said, Lord, I'm sorry, but how can that be right? You're the Lord. You can do anything. I know I'm seeing you. This is as real to me as can be. But unless you can show me in the scriptures, at least three witnesses, that this is so, I can't accept it. I can't accept any kind of vision or experience that's not in the word. He said, you might think the Lord would have been upset with him. Said he wasn't. Said he smiled sweetly and said, I'll give you four. And he said, Lord, I've read the New Testament through 150 times plus. If there's anything like that in there, I've never seen it. He said, son, there's a lot in there you don't know. (laughs) How many believe that's true? (laughs) And I want to read to you verbatim what he said the Lord said to him about this. He said one thing Brother Hagin said is that really upends my theology. And he said the Lord said sometimes your theology needs upending. And he went on to say this. He said the Lord told him this. The master. He said there's not a single place in the New Testament where believers are ever told to pray against the devil and I will do anything about him. There's not one instance in any of the epistles written to the churches that say tell God to rebuke the devil or do something about the devil. If they do, they're wasting their time. Brother Hagin said, when he said that, he said, Lord, we've wasted a lot of time. (laughs) If that's so. He said, God has done all that he's going to do about the devil for the time being until the angel comes down from heaven and takes the chain and binds him and puts him in the bottomless pit. And he proceeded to give him four witnesses. He quoted, he said, I'm the first witness. In Matthew 28 and in Mark 16, 
I said after being raised from the dead, all power and authority in earth is given to me in heaven. He said, well, you'd say, well, Lord, you got it. He said, I immediately delegated it to you, to the church, and said, so you go into all the world. You preach. You lay hands. You cast out. You bind. He said, I delegated. And then he also, he said, in James 4, it says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Who's the understood subject? You. Not get God to do it. You resist the devil. In 1 Peter 5, 8, he said, your adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Who's going to resist him? You are. And then finally, in Ephesians 4, 27, he said, neither give place to the devil. Who's the understood subject? You. He said, I'm the first witness. James is the second. Peter is the third. Paul is the fourth. So he said he accepted it. <laughs> and changed what he was thinking. And changed what he was preaching. Is this true, saints? Let's go back to what Jesus said about the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Why would he allow things? Because we're allowing them. Because we're allowing them. Go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, please. Let's look at Paul's witness of this. You know, one thing interesting I noticed, uh, I don't know if it's the first time, but soon after I heard him relay this, the Lord Jesus referred to four witnesses as four different people. We might quote passages from different books by the same person as two witnesses. He didn't. That's interesting, isn't it? Four different people are four different witnesses. Ephesians 4, are you there? And 27, what does it say? What does it say? Neither give place to the devil. Say it out loud. Neither give place to the devil. Who's responsible to do this? Is this God's responsibility? Did he say, I'm not going to let the devil have any place in your life? No. What did he say? You, understood subject is you, are not to give place to the devil. Look at the amplified of this. The amplified. Understood subject is you. You leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. Why would he say this? Because the devil's subtle and crafty. I mean, I, I saw this today clearer than I've seen it in some time. I've done it. All of us have done far too much of this tolerating stuff, putting up with stuff, either because we believed it was up to God or because we believed we couldn't do anything about it anyway. It wasn't up to us. And this is exactly what the devil wants. To be able to do all kind of things in our lives. And we just let it happen. Let it happen. And the worse it gets. People actually get mad at God. And go God why are you letting this happen? Why won't you do something about this? Why won't you make the devil stop? Why won't you make the devil leave me alone? Is it really true that God's already done everything that he's going to do about the devil for now till he takes him and puts him in that pit and that he has told us to resist him, us 
to bind him? Us to forbid it? Us? Us? Oh, friends. When wrong things happen in your life or in people around about you, like we said, there's all kind of terrible things going on in this earth all over the place. And you won't go very far until something happens you don't understand. You don't know why. And when that happens, you have to make a choice. We're talking about choosing here. On. A choice. What kind of choice? When something happens, you don't know why. You don't understand it. Some people choose to get mad at God and to blame God and to get hard and to question and quit him, quit church, quit trying to do anything right. And that's being a fool. I said, that's being a fool because he wasn't your problem to start with and he is your help. And when you're shutting out, the only help you got That's being a fool. That's turning from him. And that's being prideful and railing at him and shaking a fist. And going, why God? Why? Why did you do this? Why did you let this happen? Why didn't you do something about it? It's not just asking a question. There's accusations in those tones. It's accusing him of not caring. It's accusing him of not being fair, of not doing right. Of not doing something he should have done. Of not being there for you. Accusing him of letting you down. That's pride. How many understand that's pride? That's arrogance. That's a man judging God. Why would it never occur to people? How come it has to be God's fault? Why would it never occur to men? Maybe we messed up. Maybe we didn't do something we should have done. How come it's got to be all God's fault? How many would understand? If anybody missed it around here, it's not him. He never misses it. Never. He's never lied. He's never failed. He's never done anything unfair or unjust. Do you believe it, saints? And what you got to do is be willing to humble yourself. Go to the 34th Psalm, please. Psalm 34 and 17. The righteous cry and the Lord hears and does what? Delivers them out of all their troubles. Keep reading. The Lord is near unto who? Those that are of a broken heart, save such as be of a contrite spirit. These are old English descriptions of humility. Humility. The Lord is close to folks who are humbling their heart. When you need help, when things are hard, when you don't know why, when you don't understand, don't turn against him. Turn to him. Don't shake a fist and make accusations. Get on your face. Humble your heart. Draw near to him in faith. Can you say amen? Verse 19, keep reading. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but those, now you got to hook this with the previous verse, those that are drawing near to him with that humble heart and that faith, he delivers him out of them all. Oh, somebody say glory to God. 
Don't turn there, but in Job 34, 32, Job 34, 32, this revelation came in the complete Jewish Bible. He says it like this. He said when bad things had happened, he said, teach me what I have failed to see. And if I have done wrong, I will do it no more. When things are not right, we don't understand. There's tragedy. There's pain. There's destruction, death, loss. Friend, this is a trial of your faith. And you got a choice to make. Are you going to turn away from God? Are you going to turn against God? Are you going to blame God? Or are you going to turn to Him? Are you going to draw near to Him and humble yourself and say, Lord, if anybody missed it here, it's not you. It's with us. And whatever we need to see, have mercy on us. Show us what we've not understood. How many would would acknowledge there's a lot you don't know? And there's a lot you haven't understood. People say, we're doing everything we know. Well, maybe you don't know enough. (laughs) It's entirely likely that you just don't know enough. Don't understand enough. Job experienced a lot of pain and problems. He lost everything he had, basically. He lost his kids. He lost all his wealth, all his stuff. He lost his health. He lost his support of his friends and family. He was in a bad way. And during part of that, he said some things he shouldn't have said. He actually accused God of being unfair on some things. But at the end, God showed up in the whirlwind and asked him some questions and said some things to him. And in the presence of God, Job said, I've spoken once. Yea, twice, but I am shutting my mouth right now. (laughs) And I repent. Everybody say repent. Repent. See, it's not why the bad things happen to people. The Lord said that's not the right question. It's going to happen to everybody unless, except you repent. Well, what's Job doing? He, He said, I repent. I abhor myself in dust and ashes. And he fell before the Lord. And not only that, but he got his mind off of himself and got to looking at his friends. And he said, they need help. And he started praying for them. And when he did, the Bible said the Lord turned his captivity. And in the course of the next few years, gave him twice as much as he lost. Is that grace? Is that mercy? Who got it? The one that humbled himself and repented and prayed. Can you see this, friends? When people say, well, I guess I'm just suffering like poor old Job. You ought to say, glory to God. You can wind up with twice as much as you ever had. (laughs) We've all experienced some trying things. But this is what will get you, friend, through the toughest things in life. There will be times. There will be times that you won't know why and you won't understand and it'll hurt. But you got a choice at that time. Do you turn against God or do you turn to him? Do you harden yourself or do you humble yourself? If you're in a bad way, what do you need? You need the grace of God, don't you? Who's going to get the grace? Not the proud. Only the humble. And so what you do is you come in before him. In your pain. 
in your questions and you say, Father, I don't understand this. I don't know why. But I know this. You're a good God. And I don't care what they say and I don't care why I don't understand. I say you're a good God. You're a good God. And you've never let anybody down and you haven't let me down. And if anybody missed it here, it's not you. It's me. It's us. Have mercy on me. Show me what I need to see. Teach me what I haven't understood. Give me the help, Lord. I'm holding on to you. I'm clinging to you. I'm going nowhere. In life, in death, I'm with you. (laughs) And how many believe what the scripture said? A man, a woman with a heart like that, the Lord will not despise. And he will be with you and he will deliver you. He will help you. Oh, somebody say, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it. Turn to Romans 8 in closing, I think. Romans 8. Why has so much stuff been allowed? Because we've allowed it. We've allowed it. We've permitted. The church has permitted so much junk. It is of the devil. Jesus is our example. He did not go everywhere and say, well, it's the will of God. He didn't look at sick people and go, well, it's the will of God. God's working something out in their life. He didn't look at tragedy and go, well, it's a mysterious will of God. No, he rebuked death. He rebuked spirits. He's commanded disease to leave. He commanded fever to leave. He commanded storms to be stilled. If God was in all that stuff, he's opposing his own father. But if God wasn't in it, and it was the enemy and people's wrong choices, then you can see how that he is affecting the will of God in a messed up earth. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Is he our example? Then what should we do? When you see something that's stealing and killing and destroying in your life, you're not supposed to fold your hands and go, well, the will of God be done. You're supposed to know this is not the will of God. You're supposed to know this is the enemy trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And you're not supposed to try to pray and get God to do something about it. You're supposed to stand up and speak it, bind it, prohibit it, command it to get out, resist it. And something will happen. Something will happen. Can you say amen? Now some of the best news that you ever heard. Is right here in Romans 8. Romans 8. Verse 28. God is not. In everything. But. He is so powerful. And so wise. And so amazing. That for people that will love him. And believe in him. He can take stuff that's not even right. And make it work out. (laughs) This verse talks about that. We know that all things work together for good. And a lot of people will stop right there. They'll say, well, they try to look wise. Well, you know, everything works out for good. If you stop right there, that ain't true. For a specific group of people. (laughs) 
Everything is not working out for the best for everybody on the planet. There are all kinds of things that are working out for the worst. But to who? To who? To them that love God and that are called according to his purpose. God is working things out for your good. Everybody said out loud, everything. Everything. As I trust him him. is working out out. for my good good. and his glory. glory. Now that is not true about everybody on the planet. But it can be true with you. I said it can be true with you. And even in the things that you don't understand and even in the things that people went the wrong way, we can repent. We can humble ourselves. We can pray and believe him and God can get involved in our business and even things that are a mess. Things that are going the wrong way. Things that are not right. He can and will by his mighty power and wisdom turn it around. Work it around. What the devil meant for evil, he can turn it around for good. Do you think the devil was trying to do something good when he crucified Jesus? No, he was doing his worst. And yet the Bible says, if the devil had known, he would never have crucified the Lord of glory because the Lord used all of that to the glory of God. And total victory for all saints. And even some things that seem so dark and look so bad in our life. If we'll hold on to God. And love him and believe him. And humble ourselves and pray. Even if we don't see it all in this life. For this thing is all over. And it's not over just because we left this earth. Before it's all said and done. We'll look up and we'll say these words. Look at the rest of it. Verse uh, 29, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate. Verse 30, whom he did predestinate, he called and justified and glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Oh, we know we've got an enemy against us, but who can be against us successfully if the greater one is on your side? Can you say Amen. He said, verse 36, it's written, for your sake we're killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. There are some things happening we don't understand. There will be some things we don't understand. But, verse 37, no, in all these things, all every one of these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me, us, from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Did you know that he started off, one of them he mentioned is death. People think, well, man, in death it's all over, it's loss, it's a failure. No, even in death, we don't lose, we win. Because of who we know and who we love and who loves us, it doesn't matter what the devil thought he pulled or thought he got away with. Before it's all said and done, the Lord's going to turn it around for our good and his glory. Can you say amen? amen? Don't be disheartened, saints. Don't be discouraged. Don't let yourself be confused. 
Don't let your faith uh, waver. And don't believe and accuse God of untrue and unjust and unfair things. He is a good, good father. And he loves you. And he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never let you down. He will be with you always, even unto the end of the age and this life. Can you say amen? Amen. All you got to do is hold on. You don't have to understand everything. Have you made up your mind, saints? Stand up on your feet. It's time for a declaration. I've made up my mind. Have you made up your mind that it's you and God all the way? No matter what. Huh? Say it out loud, Lord, I'm with you. All the way. I refuse to doubt you. I refuse to question your goodness, your mercy, your love, your fairness. I refuse to doubt you or to question you unbelievingly. I trust you. I trust you, I trust you today, tomorrow, forever. You'll never leave me, and I'm never leaving you. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.